Hello, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Eglash. This podcast is co-sponsored by the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international organization of physicians dedicated to the promotion, protection, and support of breastfeeding and human lactation through education and research. Our goal for this podcast series is to help you manage clinical aspects of breastfeeding medicine. We also hope to keep you updated with current research that may impact practice management. Any advice or recommendations in this podcast do not reflect official policies or views of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Today we're going to talk about breastfeeding the NICU graduate, and I have with me today Dr. Isla Boyce. Dr. Boyce is a clinical professor of pediatrics at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, and she's a member of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. She's the medical director of the Premature Infant Nutrition Clinic at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Welcome, Isla. It's great to hear from you. It's great to hear from you as well, Anne. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So let's talk about breastfeeding NICU graduates, which I think is quite challenging, and it sounds like you do this all the time. What do you think is the typical status of NICU graduates in terms of breastfeeding when they leave the NICU? Well, at least at UCSD, and I know at many centers around the country, the good news is there's much emphasis is being put on getting mothers to establish their breast milk supply. So most of my babies come home receiving their mother's own milk, but unfortunately it's usually in a bottle. They may be going to the breast once a day, uh, but even after that feeding, they're usually receiving a supplemental bottle of breast milk. So there's very little feeding at the breast that occurs at the time of discharge. And why is that? Well, um, you know, babies uh, that are born prematurely have many challenges. Uh, much of the time, uh, they just are too small. They don't have the strength or the stamina or even the coordination to feed at the breast. And uh, they really, if you go back over the discharge records, uh, have really only been getting feeds even with a bottle for two, maybe three weeks prior to discharge. Prior to that, they had a nasogastric tube down their nose and were just learning to even uh, feed with a bottle. So really, they haven't had much practice, if you will, and uh, again, even at the time of discharge, may not have the strength nor the stamina or the coordination to effectively transfer milk from mom's breast uh, to, to their mouth, if you will. So can you talk about the steps that you take in helping a mother transition her baby to the breast? Sure. Um, first of all, I take a very careful history because um, you know, I, I, I need to know what has gone on actually prior to birth, what uh, mother's medical conditions were. In fact, uh, oftentimes um, it's some of mother's issues that uh, were the cause of the premature birth in the, to begin with. And there may be a relation to um, milk supply, for instance. Those mothers who have assisted reproductive technologies uh, have used assisted reproductive technologies to get pregnant. It seems that some of them have more difficulties having an adequate supply of milk. We also have the feeling that 
these mothers that are in advanced maternal age, that is over 35, may also have some issues with milk supply. So milk supply is one issue that I want to make sure um, we address uh, in the unit uh, or in my clinic. And then I want to know um, what has gone on in the nursery and exactly what mother has been doing since discharge, since oftentimes when uh, these moms bring the babies home, uh, it is a big adjustment for them to coordinate all that needs to be done in taking care of these babies. So obviously the first thing is a careful uh, history. And then I um, take a look at the baby, uh, look at the baby's mouth, make sure there's not a physical reason for the baby uh, to not be able to latch effectively, such as something like tongue tie, um, otherwise known as ankyloglossia. And then from there, we put the baby on the breast. I have the good fortune of working with a lactation consultant in the nursery, and we do a, a pre and a post weight to find out how much milk is transferred. We may or may not use a nipple shield, depending on how well the baby is able to maintain a latch and a suck. And again, um, assess how well that is that baby is doing with that uh, particular um, in uh, during that feeding session. So that's how we begin, man. Right. And how often are you seeing these babies in your clinic? Okay. That's a really good question. Uh, I, I may see them uh, once a week or once every two or three weeks, depending on sometimes I see my own babies that I'm the primary care provider for, and then I oftentimes will see them once a week until their term, and then once every two weeks uh, after that, and then once a month until they're six months of age. So I see them pretty frequently because adjustments need to be made, and certainly as uh, we're suggesting to mother that they should breastfeed more, and we have a less handle on a, a less secure handle on how much the baby's taking in, we do want to follow their weights fairly carefully. And so, do you sometimes have the families go home with a rented scale so that they can monitor how much the baby's transferring? We do that sometimes. I, I, that's always a, a double-edged sword to add another piece of equipment and uh, potentially heighten mother's anxiety. But it can be very helpful uh, for some moms to know exactly how much they've transferred, and I do that, do that at times. Uh-huh. And so is there like a average gestational age at which you feel babies um, are most likely or could be expected to fully breastfeed? In other words, if they're born at 32 weeks, would you be hoping that when they are at that 40-week mark that they should be nursing many times per day? You know, that's that's an excellent question, Anne, and it was something I was hoping to learn uh, through my work in, in my premature infant nutrition clinic, which we've been... Uh, had open for the last three years. And the truth be told, it seems like that's a really variable number. And and I think when you think about it, many of these babies were very sick and were oftentimes not dealing only with prematurity, but were sometimes dealing with chronic lung disease. Many of these babies have significant gastroesophageal reflux, or they may have even had intraventricular hemorrhages. So when you factor all of those factors in, uh, the the more premature the baby is, I find... Um, the less um, precise I am in trying to able, be able to determine when they'll be able to fully breastfeed. 
And then there's another factor that I find really interesting, and this is um, uh, an area that uh, I've even had a few posters, is the, oftentimes uh, the mothers that come out of the units have multiples. They may have twins or they may have triplets. And logistically trying to get those babies to primarily breastfeed along with maintaining their own milk supply, taking care of themselves and the other needs of the babies becomes very difficult. And I've had a number of these moms, despite trying very hard to get their babies to the breast, end up pumping and finding that it's easier to pump and give the breast milk in a bottle than it is to work at getting them to breastfeed. Do you have a sense of um, the success rate of mothers, let's say they have singleton premature infants and they're very uh, devoted to breastfeeding their child, what percent of those mothers, assuming a normal milk supply, are successful with getting those babies to the breast eventually? You know, that's data that I hope to be able to present someday. I I can think of a few um, mothers of very tiny preterms, say 28 weeks or less, that have been very successful. And these are moms that have been very committed and really almost wear their babies around all day long and even, you know, their weeks past term and and they kind of graze all the time. It's not like a full-term baby who maybe nurses really well and then sleeps for three hours. So my my sense is it, of those very small babies that at least in in my experience, not many get to breastfeeding um as much as I would like, as uh, competently as I would have liked. And again, it takes the mom who really, really works at it. Um, but I hope to have that data for you uh, soon. So would you say that the majority of babies, again, assuming a, a healthy milk supply, end up bottle feeding expressed breast milk? Yes, I would say to say that as well. And and the other factor that I think I implied that many of these moms do go back to work. So in fact, uh, part of it is by mother's design that maybe they they aren't as committed or just from a practical standpoint uh, about the time the baby should be getting to the breast more, uh, they're needing to leave their baby to go back to work. So there's a multitude of factors that play into this. Right, and. Can you describe some of the typical advice you give to women who have a low milk supply, assuming that you don't identify any big red flags? Sure. Uh, Certainly pumping uh, as frequently uh, as possible uh, and totally emptying their breasts, although oftentimes these moms come out of the unit pumping eight times a day, and once they bring their baby home, it's almost impossible. So I may to pump keep that up, and so I may actually scale back the number of times they pump. It's kind of a balancing act because we do know stress uh, and lack of sleep causing stress um, may be a negative factor on milk supply. Uh, I oftentimes, if they don't have a hospital grade pump, we'll ask them to get a hospital grade pump, and even if they just rent it for a few weeks. Uh, I do use uh, some herbal galactagogues that are substances that we think help uh, increase the breast milk supply. Uh, Frequently, we use fenugreek or uh, my lactation consultant likes to use use, um, Mother's Milk Plus uh, or one of the uh, 
the herbal teas that has a mixture of herbs in it. And then if that's not working, I will consider uh, a pharma, uh, pharmaceutical agent such as Reglan uh, or even uh, we'll discuss Domperidone with a mom. Right. And do you want to touch on that for a moment, just the pluses and minuses of metoclopramide and Domperidone? Sure. Um, you know, again, if a mom has a complicated medical history and is on high blood pressure medications and such, uh, I can give her the information, but we'll certainly have her speak with her own physician about this. And, and moms can get some of these medications even on their own um, through Canada and, and the Internet. Uh, they do have side effects, and they need to be very much aware of uh, the side effect of tardive dyskinesia, um, muscle spasms, uh, you know, dystonic reactions. Uh, so I always alert them to that. Uh, with metoclopramide in particular, any history of um, maternal depression, um, I would be very reticent to use metoclopramide, and, uh, and I, she's thoroughly informed about that. I always ask about a history of cardiac arrhythmias, especially prolonged QTs, anything suggestive of that. I would not use domperidone. Uh, and again, domperidone does not have the depressive effects and actually, in my experience, may be a little bit better in augmenting the milk supply if need be. Um, but uh, those are things that I, I do use if need be. Mm-hmm. And have you um, recommended manual expression for these moms? And Absolutely. And in fact, I meant to mention that uh, before we... Um, you know, again, in helping the babies get to the breast and even um, just increasing milk supply, I should take a step back. Skin to skin is really important. In fact, I had a mom come in today with the amount of time she was holding her baby to her chest, skin to skin, not necessarily nursing. Uh, so skin to skin is important and uh, breast massages while the baby is nursing to help uh, facilitate transfer. And I don't use manual expression um, as much as some moms, but I think that is something that uh, can be helpful. Again, one has to decide how to use all the minutes and hours in a day, uh, and moms are quite busy taking care of their little one, but uh, it is something that I know others do use. Mm-hmm. And I just want to touch on the very difficult issue of the mother who has a premature infant, she may have been through a lot through her pregnancy with complications and then labor and delivery, and she so hopes to breastfeed the baby, but then ends up just making drops or maybe a total of two or three ounces a day, and she comes to you and she says, should I continue to do this? What sort of advice do you give to her, and are there any other strategies that you recommend for her? Right. Uh, Again, I... I certainly am supportive and very uh, supportive of what she's done, congratulate her on what she's done. And I think it depends on the mom. Some moms get a great benefit from knowing that even if they're just drops of milk, it's something, and they can hold their baby to the breast. And I think that also is very beneficial in nurturing and and has positive uh, effects for development. On the other hand, if the mom is just stressed and uh, really does not like the idea of pumping and the baby is not going to the breast, uh, I, I may support her decision to uh, to not try to continue uh, producing milk. But I would say that's rare. Most of my moms are committed uh, to breastfeeding and our status will ultimately 
be satisfied or resigned to whatever milk they can produce. Right. And I would like to talk for a short time about babies who seem to show good, some good latch skills, but just seem to be used to a bottle. And mom has a good, healthy milk supply. What do you suggest in terms of eventually getting that baby to the breast? Oh, that was my patient today, Anne. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this one is tough. This is the mom that I mentioned was skin to skin, and this baby really had taken um, uh, taken a liking to the bottle. And I, I, I guess there's two answers I have for that: is give the baby time. I try and put the baby, suggest mom go to put the baby to the breast at the most opportune time, that is when the baby and mom are most relaxed. That may be in the mid-morning or before uh, bed, but try not to force the baby onto the breast, but take advantage of an opportune time. Sometimes we'll actually say start with a bottle to get the baby settled and then take the baby, take the edge off the hunger and then put the baby to the breast. So we'll try strategies like that. We'll try with or without a nipple shield. In fact, some of these moms get so hung up that they need a nipple shield, they'll come in, we put them on without the shield, and lo and behold, they do better. Um, and I think sometimes we have to back off and give the baby another week or two and just wait for them to grow and then try again. Uh, so I'll do, in fact, that's the interesting thing in our clinic. My lactation can consultant and I will sit around with the mom and try and figure out a plan for the next week. We write it down and try and come up with ideas to help the baby get onto the breast. Um, very interestingly, that some of the lactation consultants um, are developing tips from occupational therapists, and I'll even sometimes use the occupational therapists um, with methods of organizing the suck is what my lactation consultant calls it, calls it. But if the baby's very fussy, she'll put her finger in the baby's mouth, let him suck, sometimes kind of massages the lower lip down, tries to help get the baby uh, to open his or her mouth wider, and then try and get a better latch. And sometimes we'll actually refer them to an occupational therapist to help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like great advice. And is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think we covered a lot of what I hope to impart. I think, um, you know, my main suggestion is look at the whole picture. And everyone always asks me, what do I do? And I say, you know, every mom and every baby are different, and I think it takes time. That's why we spend 45 minutes to an hour with each mother and baby in clinic and really try and work out a, a plan and be patient. Don't uh, Sometimes it just takes a while, and then all of a sudden we'll have a baby take off, and they do great, uh, and then we're looking at when to wean them later. So uh, I think persistence, patience, and time are the key. That sounds like great advice. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. I think people find this, this information very helpful. Well, thank you, Anne. It was my pleasure. Sure. Take care. If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med dot org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.